Welcome to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast with your hosts, Dr. Dana Fang and myself, Dr. Elise Putt. Join us as we talk to inspiring clinicians who have redefined their careers. Dr. Sarah Rav, welcome to CCIM podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you today. So I'm sure a lot of people actually know who you are, given how famous you are. But in case someone doesn't on Creative Careers in Medicine, can you please just give us a very quick rundown about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Sarah Rav. I am a 25-year-old doctor in Melbourne. I graduated from medical school in 2021 and did a year of internship. And now I'm taking a bit of a break from medicine to focus more on my social media side of things, content creation, because I do a bit of that on the side, on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. I post about study tips and productivity. But apart from all of that, I love going for brunch. I love weightlifting and I love tail switch. Oh, nice. And so let's just go back a little bit. I promise we will come back to your really cool content creation and social media career. Tell us a bit about what led you to study medicine in the first place. Did you do something else before you decided to do medicine? What brought you to medicine? Yeah. So for me, I think the defining moment as to why I chose a career in medicine was in the middle of high school when my grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And it was quite a rapid decline over the course of a couple of years. And she lived back in Malaysia, right? And so I found that during that period, my family and I were kept in the dark quite a lot. So we didn't really know what was happening. We didn't really know how to help. And it was quite terrifying. And so one of the reasons why I chose to go into medicine was to, one, myself have the information about things like that so that I could make sense of it, but also so that when I was a doctor, I could involve families and patients in that and try to educate them and keep them informed and keep them involved in decisions as much as possible so that they didn't feel helpless. And that's something that I've always carried through with me in practice and in medical school. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother, but that is very much a noble thing to do to want to help others and especially more importantly their families as well because it doesn't just affect one person it affects everyone around them yeah I think that's one of the biggest things is realizing that it's not just the patient but you know it's also everyone who's involved and yeah and so when you were working towards medicine and you were in high school Had you always been someone who was very academic, studious? I know that you will, and we'll talk a bit more about it, you now teach people how to study well, but was that something that you always had done yourself? I think in primary school, I was quote unquote, like naturally gifted as in things sort of came easily to me, but I took that for granted. And so when I started high school, sort of year seven and eight, it's caught up with me. I didn't think that I had to try, so I didn't really apply myself that much. And my grades started slipping. And it was then that I realized, actually, you need to put some work in. And so I put a lot of effort into learning sort of the correct ways to study, learning how to manage my time. Because during that period, I had a lot of co-curricular activities as well. Like I was doing every sport you can imagine, like diving in the morning, cheerleading after school, karate. And I was, you know, in the choir. And so it was really vital that I managed my time properly. And so I learned a bunch of skills leading up 
to year 12 that then helped me actually perform academically and in my co-curricular activities as well. So I wouldn't say that I was always productive and efficient, but I think I was very lucky to have the resources and the help to be able to learn how to do that. And may I ask, did a lot of those skills that you learned, did it come by trial and error or from a particular source like the internet or books? I would say definitely trial and error. So I think that's one of, we can talk about this later, but that's one of the reasons why I started posting about studying and productivity because there's not a lot of information on it online, I found at that time. And I also found that, you know, you didn't really get much of it from school. Like my high school loved it. My teachers were great, but there were never any lessons focusing on like, this is how you study. This is how you manage your time. Mm. It was more like, this is the homework that you get. This is the content that you get. Learn it yourself, you know? That's very true. One of my teachers, when I was finishing primary school, said to us, with schooling, you actually learn how to count money, but you don't actually really properly learn how to make money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I always hear as well, like, there's so many, like, videos on how, like, there should be a class on, like, how to do your taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what was studying medicine like for you then? I think it was... I carried a lot of the skills that I learned in year 11 and 12 into medicine. And so I think there's a very big sort of like image that is portrayed where you have to give up your life for medical school, right? It's like hours and hours of studying and then combined with placement as well, you know, that sort of thing. But I found that because I had those skills, I was able to then juggle my time quite well and stay on top of my fitness routine, make sure I was socializing But I also sort of had an event in the middle of medical school where sort of my mental health took a toll and I actually did have to take some time off from medicine to just focus on my mental health and rebuild strategies to keep myself healthy. And I found that in that year that I took off, I learned a lot of valuable lessons about the importance of family, the importance of defining yourself by more than your achievements So towards the end of medical school, after that period, I didn't push myself so hard in academics. It was more Mm. like, give it the best that you can, but realize that studying an extra three, like missing your parents' birthday or your family get together or missing going out with your friends is not really worth that extra, like maybe two or three marks that you might score on the exam if you had spent that time studying. Like that's something that I learned then as well. So Throughout the years, I've had lots of like key events that have finally got me to a place where it's like, yes, you can be productive and efficient and focused on academics, but that shouldn't stop you from living your life and doing things that you enjoy. So it sounds like you came to not compromise yourself on things that are important to you or you value. Yeah. And so now the way I try to teach stuff on social media is like productivity isn't just so that you can spend all your time studying and get amazing marks. It's actually so that you can spend the least amount of time studying and get good marks, but then enjoy the rest of your life as well. Yeah. That sounds good. So with that, that brings me to my next question. What inspired you to become a social media influencer slash content creator slash teacher on social media? Yeah. So funnily enough, I started TikTok in December 2019 and I actually started by posting fitness and like nutrition videos sort of thing because that was what I was posting on Instagram beforehand. But I found that it was quite a saturated space and I didn't really have anything more that I could offer. 
And what I did notice is that quite a lot of people were taking interest in the fact that I was a medical student and that I could maintain my fitness and nutrition routine. So I started delving into that a little bit and that blew up quite a lot because I realized there was a space for this, like tons of influencers talking about what workout to do, you know, what to eat properly, that sort of stuff. But not a lot of influencers talking about how to balance nutrition with fitness with a full-time job or full-time study. And so I delved into that a lot more. And what I realized is that there is a massive gap because students don't know or aren't taught how to study properly. And a lot of students fall through the cracks because they just start getting behind in school and they're blamed for being lazy or unmotivated when in actual fact, we're never really given the proper resources to excel. And this was actually really quite important to me because growing up, my parents were not exactly well off and I was at a private school because I had a scholarship. And so a lot of my friends around me had the privilege of having private tutors to catch up and stuff. Whereas for me, if I wanted a tutor, I knew it was quite a strain on my parents. And so I didn't really feel comfortable asking. And I feel like this is quite the case with a lot of students around the world. It's very easy to say, well, if you're failing at school, why don't you get a tutor? You help them help you catch up. But not a lot of families are in that position. And so for me, I find that posting on social media, obviously you have to have a phone, but at least it evens the playing field a bit. Like everybody can access that content for free and then they can then go on and do what they want with it. That mustn't have been easy for you. And again, another noble thing you're doing. It's not just purely, yep, I already now worked it out for myself and going to just benefit myself. You've decided to make sure it benefits others as well. Yeah. And with over 3.1 million followers between your TikTok and Instagram, what do you think are the most important factors to your success and reach? I would probably divide it like into three main factors. The first one is that I always try to provide value where I can. I feel like the sort of stereotypical image of a person on TikTok is like somebody dancing or like this and stuff like that. And look, that is completely fine for the people that do that. Not judging, get that bag, sis. But for me, I always knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be defined by how I looked. And so the only way that I knew I was going to get traction is to provide value, give followers or viewers a reason to come back or a reason to want to follow my page. And that value that they're getting is study tips or productivity tips. But the other thing about that is you need to be relatable. It's about painting a picture like Any sort of like social media consultant will tell you, you need to paint a picture, you need to have a hook, you need to have a story. So you really need to dive deep into how your followers are feeling and really accentuate that emotion to then let them feel like you understand them and that you understand the problem that they're struggling with and that you know how to solve it. So that sort of like comes into the fact that we need to have a lot of empathy for our patients. It's like similar to that. But it's also because I lived that experience, right? I was a student once, so I do know how it feels. And then finally, it's about being genuine and not selling out. There's a lot of opportunities for collaborations and making money. But I think the good thing is that social media was only ever a side thing for me. Like I had medicine as my main career. And so I wasn't inclined to just sell out for a quick buck. It was more like I also have a duty of care, I guess, as a healthcare professional, but also as a content creator with such a large following. I had to make sure that the collaborations I was doing were in the best interest of all my followers and would actually provide value to them. Mm. 
And what about on the flip side? Because we are only human and sometimes we make mistakes. Yeah. Have there been mistakes that you've learned along the way when it comes to your work in the social media space? Yeah. I think big one was during COVID. So as I said, I started my TikTok in December 2019, which meant that for the first two or three years, we were like in and out of lockdown during when I was growing on TikTok. And because I had a lot of my other things taken away from me, going out, going to the gym, like that sort of stuff, I became super focused on my TikTok and my Instagram. And it was like, if my TikToks were doing well, then that was a good day for me. And if my TikToks were not doing well, then that was a bad day. It was just, I had nothing else to think about. And it was so defining on how I felt and my self-esteem and my self-worth, like whether or not a video was going viral. And so that was something that I definitely had to pull myself out of. But I think coming out of lockdown was a big factor in that as well. And also TikTok do a lot of workshops for creators. And so that was something that constantly comes up for a lot of creators. And it's about A way to get around that is just focusing on the content that you're creating and if you're proud of the content and you're happy with it, then at least you know that you're doing your best work and you be proud of that. And at the end of the day, if you change one life, that's still a massive thing, right? Like you get so caught up in the numbers and the likes, but you're forgetting that behind these are actual people with like lives. So that's something to keep in mind as well. I think another mistake that I've made is sometimes biting back too fast at haters. Like in the early days as well, TikTok can be quite a vicious place. The beauty of TikTok is that your videos go like super viral, right? But the drawback of that is that people see your videos who have never come across your account before. So they have a 15 second impression of you and that's all that they know about you. And so often you get a lot of comments of like wrongful impressions and they can be quite hurtful. And so initially I would always reply from a place of hurt and that generally doesn't help because it's just the the cycle right and so I had to learn that haters often come from a place of insecurity and instead of biting back and capitalizing on that you need to understand that showing them love and showing them understanding is actually a better way to approach these sorts of things. Thank you for sharing that and I'm sure a lot of listeners who you know of your work are quite curious at the moment as to how you and I'm sure you do cover this on your (laughs) social media channels but do you mind just running us through what does a typical day look like for you at the moment given you're the productivity queen (laughs) yeah so what I might do is I might go back to when I was working in medicine and how I jumped with that because that's probably more what people can relate to so let's take for example a week on gen med Monday to Friday I would have work usually oh actually it was seven days on seven days off so like during the days that I had work I would edit my content in the morning and so I would post one video like because like when I say edit I would edit my content for the day so I'd post two videos a day I'd edit my first video at breakfast and then I would post that at breakfast and then I would edit my second video during my like dinner time and then I post it dinner time and so that would be how it would go from Thursday to Friday. Then on my weeks off, I would organize two filming days in that week off. So like usually it was Thursday, Tuesday and Saturday. Yeah. And then what I did is I'd batch film. So during the week, I create a long list of posts or of ideas of posts that I want to film. And then I'd spend maybe two or three hours on those two days filming. And it's pretty like I got it down to 
pretty good. Like I was able to film like maybe 12 or 16 videos in a day at like my very peak. And then I would semi-edit them the rest of that day. And then throughout my week off as well, I would spend that replying to emails and replying to comments, replying to DMs and stuff. But during my weeks on, it was just get the videos out and then wait until that's all over, the storm is over, to then organize admin, get your life back together, (laughs) do everything else. Yeah. Wow. You were basically balancing two full-time jobs by the sound of it. (laughs) I think social media, thankfully, is a job where you can do it from anywhere as long as you've got your phone or your laptop. But yeah, the hours were a bit intense, but it's something that I was very passionate about. Mm. I think like people ask what sort of like helped you keep going. And I think what people don't realize is I was getting tens to hundreds of like messages a day being like, oh, I got an A plus because of you. Oh, I got into medical school because of you. Like I did so well on my exam and it was all because of your techniques. And that stuff is like worth its weight in gold, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then so on top of working crazy hours, especially when you went intern and trying to balance a second career as well, how did you then also fit in your exercise and well-being? Because you mentioned that's really important to you as well. Yeah. So here we'll go into a bit of like actual content. What I found that time blocking is a really important skill. So essentially what I would do is like the night before I would plan out my day in advance. So actually on my notes app, I would write 5 to 6.30 gym 6 30 to 7 breakfast and personal instagram 7 to 8 like drive to work so having that sort of schedule really helped me keep on top of things and help me realize where there would be time to fit in something extra but more importantly it also avoids decision fatigue so you just know exactly what's coming next you don't have to waste time thinking about it you don't have to be overwhelmed so that was something really important as well but the other thing that I did was exercising in the morning I found was a big thing because then you're up and that's the only thing that you have to do that at that time of day whereas I find that if you leave it until after work it's like sometimes you get stuck behind you you have to work overtime or a case goes you go overtime in theater and so you could that can be easily pushed aside and often you're exhausted after a shift so that was something another thing was meal prepping on my week off so that I had meals ready to go and I didn't have to waste time like cooking at night. That was a big thing. That was mostly it, I think. I feel like there's a bunch of other things in there, but they have escaped my brain. At That's time. okay. People can <laughs> yeah. go to your channel and watch those videos. I'm sure you've shared all of that. Yeah. But do you ever get moments of loss or lack of motivation like the rest of us yeah. human, mere mortals? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I actually did a whole YouTube video on this because this is a very important point that I think about and that that I talk about a lot. It's that motivation is not actually what you need to rely on. It's more discipline and habits. Yeah, exactly. You would have heard this multiple, I think, like people fall into the trap saying, oh, I'm not motivated, so I don't want to go to the gym today. Or I'm not motivated. I'm not motivated, so I won't post today. I don't feel like posting. But like motivation is very, it comes in waves. And so there will be times where you are motivated and there will be times where you aren't motivated. But you can't rely on motivation to get you where you want to be. Like analogous to this is if you think about athletes, like Olympic athletes, I'm sure they wake up on days and they're like, I don't really want to train today. You know, I'm tired. My body hurts. But it's more if I want to get to where I want to be, I need to keep pushing. I just need to show up. I don't need to be 
amazing every day, but it's about consistency, right? And so if you sort of push yourself to do it day after day, you get into a routine and then it becomes a habit. And then you don't really need to rely on motivation because it's just part of your day. It's just second nature to you. And that's how I look at things now. It's like, I don't even think about whether I feel motivated to post or I feel motivated to film content. It's like, it's a Tuesday. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And with that, I know that you share a lot of this content already for free on across all your channels, but I understand you also run a masterclass. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah. So this is basically, it's a 10-part module and sort of more hands-on and more interactive for students who really want, and what actually not even just students, really applies to everyone, no matter what sort of level you're at, because it teaches you like important life skills and how to manage your time. But it's a 10-part module that goes through sort of different things, you know, how to optimize your sleep, how to optimize your morning routine, how to optimize your studies, how to stay focused, time management, job interviews, that sort of stuff. And each module has a little activity that you can then put into practice in your day-to-day life to really help you learn the skills. And it's probably sort of what I would say, like a one-stop shop for all my tips. So of course, you could find the same things by scrolling through all my videos, but here it's all in one place and it's interactive and you get that one-on-one experience. Okay. Thank you so much, Sarah. I have one final question for you. Yeah. In an alternate reality where you worked in something completely unrelated healthcare, and I think in this situation, I'm going to need to throw in that it's unrelated to social media as well. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? So I would think actually maybe education because I don't know if that's still related to what I do, but honestly, I would think education and I don't know if it would be just like a teacher, but maybe something in government, like the Department of Education or something, but definitely something where I could influence or have a positive impact on a large amount of people. And I think education is a big one for that because if you set people up with proper information and stuff, then they can then go on to live, achieve their dreams and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Sarah. No, that's okay. Thank you so much for having me and just letting me, you know, share my story and all that. Thanks for listening to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast, a proud member of the Talking Health Tech podcast network. Visit the Creative Careers in Medicine website in the show notes of this episode for more resources to help you find the courage, confidence and skills to take control of your career and forge your own unique path. The Creative Careers in Medicine podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, water and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders past, present and emerging. 